Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Carol Ann Flood, and I'm the worship director here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in Him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. You guys ready to rock today? This is gonna be awesome. We're gonna have a great day together. Question for you at the top goes like this. How hard is it for you to let go of control? Nervous laughter, same thing in first service. It's like, oh, come on, man. At least warm it up, ease into it. Let me ask this, how hard is it for you if you're the main driver in your family to let your significant other drive the vehicle? Is it as hard as it is for me as it is for you? Is it difficult to let control? What about this one? Uh, is there a, a, an owner of the TV remote in your household? You don't have to be married to understand that. You could have roommates, you could have siblings, you could have friends, but is it hard to let somebody else decide? What about this, if you got young kids, would you ever let them decide what you're having for dinner? Think that one through for a second. It's like, no, no, I would not. That's just dumb, that doesn't even make sense. What about, what about some other stuff like this? Um, would you ever give over the power of attorney to somebody? Is it hard for you to do that? To actually make decisions on your behalf that involve your finances? or the location where you will finish out your life? Is it hard for you to release the power of attorney to somebody else? What about, what about your phone password or social media? Is it hard for you to give up control? Because it's hard for me to give up control. It's hard for me to release because even though there are people around me that I know love me and care about me, I know my stuff is safe with them, I know my life is safe with them, there is something so extraordinarily difficult about letting go of control to anyone but myself. Can anybody else relate to that? It is so difficult to let go. According to the National Library of Medicine, this is what it says on their website. It has been repeatedly argued that the perception of control is not only desirable, but it is likely a psychological and biological necessity. Here's something a, uh, an author said. You'll know who the author is. You have brains in your head and feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. Thanks, Dr. Seuss. Come on, we all can relate to that. It's like, we know, we know what he's talking about because we live this day in and day out. When my feet are in my shoes, I get to choose. I wanna choose my life. I wanna choose my house. I wanna choose my job. I wanna, I wanna be in control of everything. And to let go of even a fraction of what we feel like we have control over, to let go of that is so extraordinarily difficult. So here's the question, how do you show love if you're an all controlling God. So here is our heavenly father who, who can control everything. There's nothing outside of his purview. There's nothing outside of his control. So if he actually wants a relationship with us, with his people, how does he show us that he loves us? And you already guessed it, it's this, you give up control. You give up control, you actually release it. Let me ask this a little different way. What's the hardest part about following Jesus? 
was the hardest part for all of us to follow Jesus, to actually give him not 90%, not 95, not 99, but 100%. The hardest part about following Jesus is this, giving up control. If you look early on in scripture, uh, the disciples, the first disciples that Jesus called, their first decision was about control. You might've missed it. Check this out, Matthew 4. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. They gave up control of their lives. They gave up control of their families. They gave up control of their livelihoods. They gave up control of their retirement or whatever plan that they had looking forward. They actually gave up control. They laid it down at the first call of Jesus. So here's, I want to juxtapose two statements. If you write something down today, write these down. The statement goes like this, control comes at the expense of relationship. You can either have control or you can have relationship, but you can't have both. One of them costs the other. So then the opposite of, of it is this, relationship comes at the expense of of control. There are things that we can control in our lives that we don't have relationships with. Think about your computer. Do you have a relationship with your computer? Probably not. Do you have a relationship with Netflix? No. Do you have a relationship with the smart devices that are in your house, like your thermostat, maybe your phone, things that you can turn on or automate, automatic locks, whatever. Things that have no relationship are all about control and vice versa. If I can control it 100%, there's no relationship there. Relationship comes when control is laid down. So if you're an all controlling God, how you desire a relationship with your people, how you actually achieve that relationship with your people is you lay down control and you let them choose. Because all of a sudden when it's no longer forced and it's no longer required, when you give a choice, people can choose relationship or no relationship, control, no control. People have a choice because God gave us a choice. One of the number one questions I get as a pastor goes something like this, how could a God who loves people create hell? That's a hard one to answer. But here's how I've answered it or here's the conclusion that I've come to, let's define what hell is. Hell is the absence of God. And a relationship with him is the presence of God. So if you juxtapose the two, let's talk about hell. Hell is the absence of God. It's where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's where hope loses all of its value. It has no, there is no hope. It's just the way it's gonna be forever. There's separation, there's brokenness, there's pain, there's all of that. But on, on the flip side, when you have a relationship with God, all of those things can be redeemed. All of those things have a future. All of those things have a hope because God is all loving. He's a father. He's a king. He's a ruler. He, he has conquered the grave. He's conquered death. He's conquered what his absence has taken ownership of. So how could God create hell? God gave us a choice. Choose me or don't choose me. This is the effect of not me being there. And guess what? This is such a loving move of a father. I do this with my three-year-old. I give him a choice. We're working on stuff right now, right? Behavioral, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I came home on Monday this week, which is just awesome. He just keeps feeding me sermon content. And I'm like, this is perfect. I come home and uh, I had about four or five unread text messages from my wife that day. 
And uh, it, you could see, you know what I'm talking about when you're like, I can tell how your day went based on when the text came in and what they said. It just got worse and worse and worse. You know, I'm done with him. I can't stand this. Holy smokes, he is losing his mind. I'm losing my mind. And it's like, oh, I'm about to walk in the door to this. Awesome. So I walk in, Shannon is asleep on the couch and then Judah is asleep on the other couch, which is bad because he should be in his room, which is starting to tell me, starting to paint the picture. So he wakes up, he looks at me and he smiles. He says, hi, dad. And like a good father, I say, hello, Judah. And his face turns from a smile to a little bit of fear, like, oh, he knows because I do. And I said, I heard you had a rough day with mama. And he looks at me and he kind of nods and says, yep. And I said, here's how this is gonna go. You owe her an apology right now. You walk over, you give her a hug and you say, I'm sorry, mama, and I love you. Or you're gonna sit there and time out until you do. Here's your choice. And you know what that little bugger did? He sat there for 20 minutes <laughs> because he is my kid. He just sat there and he cried and cried. And I said, do you wanna, this is literally none of us are winning right now. Can you, nope, not gonna do it. He eventually came around. A loving father gives his children a choice. A loving God gives his people a choice because they're his children. God doesn't wanna control you. Doesn't wanna manipulate you, doesn't wanna force you. He doesn't wanna be a dictator over your life. He wants to give you a choice so that the relationship that you have with him is real not fake, not superficial. What he wants from you is a real relationship, 100% of what it was always designed to be. And to achieve that, it requires control. This series called Pursued has been all about God who doesn't just give us a choice and let us figure it out, but a God who gives us a choice and then chases us over and over and over and over, season after season, year after year, opportunity after opportunity, grace after grace, forgiveness, forgiveness, chance, chance. God just continues to give, continues to run, continues to chase us down because he wants a relationship with us. He is a good father, but it costs something to have a relationship. It costs us Control. I wanna read some of the passages of scripture here that highlight Jesus and how he actually laid down his life, how he gave up control for us. So let's read some of these. This is Mark 10, verse 45. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave up control. He didn't come to own and to dominate and to force. He came up and he gave up control for us. Let's read the next one. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled his, himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Here is our savior yet again, laying down control. Here's another one. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up. There it is again, for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, Ephesians 5, 2. All throughout scripture, there's examples and passages demonstrating Jesus giving up control. 
But as Cody just talked about just a couple minutes ago, this season that we're in is building towards Easter, but before Easter is Good Friday, Jesus went to the cross. Look at some of the imagery, some of the pictures of Jesus giving up control as he's actually on the cross and heading up to it. Then they spit in his face and they struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Jesus had laid down control and he was paying for it. Let's read this next one. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and they gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again and again and again and again. Here is our savior yet again, giving up control. And then this last one, it's probably the most palpable for me. Here's Jesus on the cross, the king of the world, the son of God, and he hangs there and he lets out this plea, I'm thirsty. Jesus who gave up control, couldn't wet his own palate. Jesus was so moved by you and by me that he was willing to give 100% to lay everything down, all of his preferences, all of his rights, everything that was due and owed to him. He laid it down 100% to give us control. We didn't have control until he did that. In fact, we, we couldn't choose him until he gave us the opportunity. Our decision was made in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve made a decision that affected all of us. It created enmity between us and God. It created distance, it created brokenness. It rendered us controlless. The control had nothing to do with anything because our decision was separation from God or separation from God. There's nothing we could do to overcome that. There's nothing we could do to over, over change that or whatever. But God said, I'm, I'm gonna bridge the gap to give you a choice. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to lay down control of your life because only I can do what you need done. It's the goodness of God. This is what Jesus modeled to his disciples. Here's what he says in John 15. He says, my command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has none than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Here's what Jesus models yet again, laying down control. And he attaches it to love. Relationship costs us control. Here's what's so hard is so many of us live and die by this needing to be in control of something or of everything in our lives. But it costs us total 100% committed relationship to our heavenly father. We have two dueling desires, two dueling longings. One of them is for a relationship with our heavenly father, which is what we were built for. There's something in every single one of us that wants to be right and whole and complete with him. But the second most competing value in our life is control. And so it costs one or the other. 
Here's the funny position that all of us are in together. Jesus gave up control to give it to us. But then what he asks of his followers is to do the same thing right back, is to actually give up control right back to him. What he reiterates all throughout scripture and all throughout his ministry is this, we can trust him. He is a loving father. He is a loving father who will care for us and provide for us and protect us. He is a loving father. He's a mighty king who has defeated the enemy, who's defeated death, who's bridged the gap. He's a mighty king that has already declared victory. And we see it all throughout scripture. We see it all throughout our lives. We see it all throughout the church and the history of the church. Jesus has already declared victory. He's also a perfect savior. We look at the Old Testament and the sacrificial system and what was required to be made right with God. There was an innocent animal that needed to die to bridge the gap between our sin and God's holiness. And Jesus says, I'm willing to be that. I'm willing to stand in the gap. I'm willing for my blood to be the blood that makes you right, but my blood is more powerful than any other and it can make you right for eternity, not until the next time you sin. Jesus, as he goes to the cross, he gives up control so that we could have a choice. And the choice is this, do we want a relationship with God or not? It's a powerful choice that we have to make. In fact, it's the most important choice that you could ever make in your entire life. And Jesus gave it to us as a gift. Shortly after I gave control of my life to the Lord, which has been an ongoing battle ever since, shortly after I started praying this prayer, it's a dangerous prayer. I don't remember where I picked it up, but I remember praying it like, oh man, I, I just feel awesome doing this. Like, this is awesome. This is cool. And I'll share with you the prayer. And then as soon as it as soon as God started answering that or calling me into places, I started feeling not so awesome. Like, whoa, I have zero control. One of the things I used to pray is, God, I will say whatever it is you want me to say. I love to talk. You know that. You're sitting here enduring it right now. I, God, I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll say anything. God, whatever it is, whatever it is you put on my heart, I will say it. God, that's, what I'll, that's my prayer. I'll say whatever you want me to say. That's not that hard for me. Next one is way harder. God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. Oh, okay. That's gonna cost me something. That's gonna cost me the direction of my life. That's gonna cost me my career. That's gonna cost me what I drive. That's gonna cost me uh, how I control or manage my money. That, that, what, I'm gonna do anything you ask me to do? God, I want that to be my prayer and so that's gonna be my prayer. Number three was this, God, I'll give whatever it is you want me to give. Okay, that just got even harder. Now my wallet is involved. Now my bank account is involved. Now my retirement is involved. Are you? okay, God, I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll give whatever you want me to give. And then this last one is probably the hardest. I will go wherever it is you want me to go. The first thing I think of when I pray that prayer is this, there are places I don't want to go. I wanna remain in control because I'm safe. I'm safe when I'm in control. I'm safe when I run my life. I'm safe when decisions, God has to run through me rather than the other way around. I'm safe, I'm protected, I'm secure when I am in control. But the invitation that God has for all of us, just like me, is to lay down control and to trust him. Because anything less than 100% giving control to him will be met with dissatisfaction from us. We'll always be longing for more from him because what was designed was a, a total lack of control, 
100% sacrificed, 100% laid down so that the 100% on the flip side is our relationship with him, our trust in him, our love together. That is the invitation that's on the table today. There is an easy thing and there is a hard thing. The easy thing is to brush it off. The easy thing is to maintain control of the things that you want control of. The easy thing is to do whatever it is at your business or at your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood. The easy thing is I'm not gonna do what God wants me to do. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. The easy thing is to say, I, I'm gonna say what I wanna say, not what God has me to say. The easy thing is I, I'm gonna give what I want to give, not what God wants me to give. The easy thing, and you already know, is I'm gonna go where I wanna go, not where God wants me to go. The hard thing is laying down your life a hundred percent to be obedient to whatever it is God calls you to. There is no better place for you to be than there. Something I wrote down in my journal uh, last week, I found myself just bending back towards like, I need control. I need control. I'm safe in control. I, I'm protected. I'm secure. There's a number of things in my life. I mean, you pick a category. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to control. I'm trying to manipulate. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get myself secure. And what I felt like God said to me in a prayer time is this, David, you are most secure when you are 100% given in me. When you lay everything down. There's no hedge that you can build that, that can't protect you like I can. There's no safe place you can go that you'd be as protected as you are if you just rest in me and follow me. David, the things that you are truly after cost you control. And the invitation, it's not a one-time thing, it's a daily thing. If you're like me, it's like an hourly thing. Coming back again, okay, God, I give you control. I give you control, I give you control. Matthew 16, 25 says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever comes into life trying to control every single thing, you're gonna lose it. It's gonna slip right through your fingers. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Check out this other passage here from Romans. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is no safer place for you to be than in total, unhindered, undivided relationship with your heavenly father. It is the best place in the world you were created to reside there. So since we're talking about control and, and we have baptism today, I figured I would tell you my story. I've never shared my baptism story uh, with most of you in the room. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in the local church and uh, I was baptized as an infant. I think within the first week or two, something like that, I was baptized. My dad baptized me as a baby. And so as I grew up, uh, there was a season in my life that I actually decided, okay, I'm actually gonna follow Jesus. I'm actually gonna yield control of my life to him. I'm actually gonna give it back to him. I'm gonna give him 100%. I was done fighting. I, the more I tried to grasp my life and hold on to it, the more it kept slipping through my fingers. So I, I hit the point when the opportunity was presented and, and the speaker said this, some of you are in the middle of your own funeral right now and Jesus will interrupt it if you let him. And I said, I'm in, I'm done with the funeral. I'm done with my life just dying and falling apart. God, I want control in your hands. I'll say and do and give and go wherever it is you want me to go. I'm willing to trust you. So I did that. And the first thought that I thought of was Matthew 28, after I gave my life to Christ. Matthew 28 says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. That baptism piece kept coming back up over and over and over and over and over because now I'm wrestling. I was baptized as an infant, but I don't remember. I was a baby. I, I hadn't sacrificed or laid down my life at that point to my Savior. I, I, had, I didn't have the ability to do that. So here I am now, I'm an 18 or 19 year old. I give my life to the Lord and I start wrestling going, should I get baptized or should I not? Should I get baptized? Should I not? I've already been, what does this mean? There's implications theologically. I'm trying to wrestle through it. Like, what does this mean? I don't know what to do. And it crippled me into fear of which I, I didn't move. I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for years. I was in different church contexts I was at different places, uh, even outside the state. I, I traveled when I was in college to different parts or different areas of the country. And so I was in different church services over and over and over. And I kept getting these opportunities to show up and to actually walk up and get baptized. And I didn't. I had a thousand excuses. I'm not ready to do this. I wanna make sure I'm doing this for the right reasons. I want my family to be there. I want my mom and dad to be there. What are they gonna think? How are they gonna feel? What, what implications does this, I mean, it, I kept running through over and over and then even like the band's gonna come up here any second. It's like when the band's up there and playing and you're like, holy smokes, like the, the Holy Spirit's working and moving and inviting me to step up and now I feel pressure. It's like, should I do it? Is this emotions or is this actually like God prompting me to do this? The wrestling that I had was year after year after year after year after year. And this is how long I fought it. I started here as a pastor at Frontline just over five years ago. And the Sunday that I actually got baptized was the Sunday before I started. I was in seminary, I had a professor uh, who taught infant baptism in seminary. And so I sat down with her and just engaged. And I said, teach me, help me understand why you do this. Show me in scripture, show me. And as I unpacked and I said, I felt stronger than ever. God's inviting me to take a step and to publicly declare Jesus is mine. I'm giving up a hundred percent of control. I'm laying it all down. I'm giving my life to him. I'm gonna say and do and give and go whatever and wherever he calls me. I'm willing to do that. So the Sunday before, you know, it's funny, all these things that I held on to for years didn't actually even happen on my baptism Sunday. My family still wasn't there, part of them. They weren't there what I thought it would be, what I thought I had to take care of, what I thought I had to fix, I wasn't fixed. I still struggled with sin, I still struggled with anger, I still struggled with hurt and pain. I, I didn't come as a complete mess, I came as a broken mess. But I wanted to share with you just a piece of my testimony that I read on the day that I got baptized. And it goes like this. <clears throat> so today I have decided to be baptized as an adult, not because it was a condition of my marriage, right before I was getting married. Not because it was a condition of my marriage, not because it was a job requirement because I was about to start here, but because of what Jesus did for me on that day in Atlanta when I gave my life to him and for what he did for me centuries earlier in Jerusalem as we talked about on the cross. He took my place. 
and he paid the price for my sin by dying on a cross. I believe God is in the business of interrupting funerals and I'm forever grateful for what he has done and continues to do in my life. Jesus is my Lord, my savior. And I've committed my life to following him and I'm excited to make this a public declaration. That's what baptism is. It is a public declaration of obedience to our heavenly father. That says I'm putting my hope, I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust and I'm laying down 100% of control into the hands of my savior, Jesus. So we're gonna do that right now. If you signed up ahead of time, we are so excited to celebrate your baptism today. But like Cody mentioned earlier, if you haven't made that decision yet, but you feel like God's prompting you, here's another opportunity that you could come forward and we could celebrate your baptism with you. As your church family, we're gonna go nuts. We're gonna celebrate you. We're gonna praise the Lord for what he's doing in your heart, how he's demonstrating that and how you're proclaiming that through his death and resurrection here in the tank. It's a public record or it's a public uh, reference back to the cross. So check out this passage here. It summarizes it so well, Colossians 2. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. When you go down into the water and come back up, it is the symbol again and again and again that we will celebrate until Jesus comes back of Jesus going into the tomb and coming out of the tomb, out of the grave, back into life. That is what baptism represents. So if today is your day, don't miss the opportunity. Let us celebrate with you. For those of you that maybe have never been baptized, today could be the day. You don't have to fix your life. You don't have to change things around. You bring what you have 100% and God will meet you right where you're at. Maybe your story is like mine. Maybe you were baptized as an infant and you've struggled with this. There's a guy first service that came up and after service, he said, it was seven years that I wrestled. Seven years, I was baptized as an infant. Seven years I wrestled with the decision to go public today. Maybe you're like him. Maybe today is the day for you. The last one is this, maybe you've already been baptized. You've already been baptized as an adult. You don't need to come up in this tank. Every time we celebrate baptism as a church, it's a reminder of our baptism. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us and takes us back to our public declaration of Jesus in our lives. So we're gonna do that right now. In this next song, I wanna invite you uh, to stand up and you can move over here on this direction of the stage. We're gonna get you ready. We're gonna pray for you. Um, we're gonna grab your information if we don't have it already. And then we're gonna celebrate your baptism together today. So let me close this in prayer and then we're gonna move. God, thank you for the opportunity that we get to celebrate your death and your resurrection on the cross through baptism. This is a gift, God. This isn't about us. This isn't even about our decision. It's about you. It's about you giving us a choice to choose you because you wanted relationship with us. God, I just, I just pray that we would find our hope and our peace and our relationship in you right now as we lay down all of our control, all of the things that we think make us safe. I pray that we would lay those down right now, that we would trust you as our heavenly father, as our mighty king, and as our perfect savior. 
Jesus, we don't do this in our own power. We do it through yours. And so we pray that you would be with us, that you would bless us. And I pray, God, that we would celebrate your work in people's lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. Amen. Well, let's do it. Go ahead, stand up. And uh, if you're ready to get baptized, if today's the day, head on over here. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com forward slash connect. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.